0: Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. This is your Sunday night, Monday morning rivalry show where we talk about both teams. And boy, do we finally have a lot to talk about tonight. My name is Pat. I'm hosting Luke and John. Tonight we're going to talk all things Yankees, Red Sox, and of course, arguably the biggest news in the history of the sport The signing of Shohei Otani we're going to skip tonight's first pitch because we just have too much to talk about we haven't even had an episode since Soto officially went to the Yankees John I was listening to your uh, midweek episode earlier today just to kind of remind myself of what had been uh covered and all you had at that point was Verdugo going to the Yankees so we've got to cover that from the Sox perspective we've of course got to talk about Soto so we're going to start with you John um That's the biggest Red Sox and Yankees news of the week. We're going to save Otani for the end, save the best for last. Soto's the big blockbuster deal. Um, I argued last week they have to make it happen if they still want to be the New York Yankees, and they did. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on it.
1: Well, Pat, you nailed it. They're the New York Yankees again, and I can tell... I can tell, by the way Red Sox fans and Mets fans have reacted to this, that this is a good move for the Yankees, that they are getting back to being the Yankees. Uh, Verdugo and Soto filled two needs for the Yankees. They're both left-handed outfielders, and they're, in today's game anyway, relatively low strikeout guys. So that's what the Yankees needed. And it's a great deal. It, uh, it has a lot of upside on both parts because both these guys – are going into their free agent season, so they have a lot to play for. Soto has shown us that he can rise in a big spot. So that's what the Yankees need as far as the guy that's tested in the playoffs, that likes a big spot, that New York's not going to be too big for him. And he's playing for hopefully one of the biggest contracts of all time. So there's so much good going on with Juan Soto. Um, There really isn't a lot of negatives Uh, if you wanted to nitpick. The Yankees gave up a lot of minor league pitching, but like, let's be honest, we're probably never going to see those guys ever pitch for the Yankees anyway. And then Michael King, which I think that kind of hurts the bullpen a little because you're in win now mode. And Michael King was such an important part to this Yankees team. Uh Probably going to be the closer out there in San Diego, I guess at some point, but all in all, that Soto deal is fantastic. Uh And the Verdugo deal was shocking in the moment. I've had some time to process it. I think it's good for the Yankees. there's a lot of upside again, like look, I mean I've, I, I'm not going to walk back all the things I said on Alex Verdugo, and I've said a lot of negative things about Alex Verdugo, so he has to prove himself, but he does have he's coming to a division rival, and he has a lot of um animosity between him and Alex Cora and potentially the Boston Red Sox. so if nothing else, left-handed bat doesn't strike out a lot. And when he plays the Red Sox, he's probably going to bat like 400 over those 12 or 13 games because I think he's really going to want to stick it to Alex Cora. So there's a lot of potential there, but there's also potential to go wrong. But right now, I'm just focusing on the positives. As a Yankees fan, this has been a great week.
0: I think you make a great point, John, that you did give up a lot. And San Diego, I love the San Diego graphic was just we have acquired these guys – Uh, from the New York Yankees, saying absolutely nothing about who they sent off in return. But those are, you know, five very interesting guys for them. But you do make a very good point that um, they probably would have been shipped off at some point. Um, It's much better to ship them off for Juan Soto than, you know, Josh Donaldson or whatever, just to pick a random name, right? So um, that's, uh, it's definitely a big blockbuster move, one they haven't made in a while. Luke, uh, the Red Sox perspective. That's, it's uh, a a.
2: Great move for the Yankees, and it's uh, it, it's just one year. It's just, they gave up a lot. It took a haul. Cashman gave up a haul to get one year of Juan Soto, but Soto was—I mean—that I can think of, other than maybe Jordan Alvarez, he's the Soto's the best one single player in Major League Baseball that Cashman could have gotten uh to improve the Yankees, considering the deficiencies that the Yankees have had. The last few years, and even though it's only for one year of him, I think it's a stroke of bill of brilliance for uh, Brian Cashman personally because it's just a one year. It's he gave up a lot for one year of Juan Soto, but if Soto walks, Soto only going to walk because Hal Steinbrenner won't pay him. That's not going to be Cashman's call. So he has totally flipped it back. He's been taking the blame for everything that's happened with the Yankees as of late. But now he's like, all right, fine. You want me to get premier players? Here's a premier player, one year of it. You guys, you want him to stick around? Then this guy's got to pay him. My boss has to pay him. It's not on me. Everyone knows that's ownership's call for a huge record-breaking contracts like that Soto is going to get. So I think it was a stroke of brilliance for Cashman on a personal level. If Soto does walk, then I think giving up all those pitching prospects, Michael King in particular, and I know Drew Thorpe was supposed to be something that could really come back to bite the Yankees on the ass. But for next year, the Yankees look so much better now. Um, And... I will say from the Red Sox perspective, the Yankees did what I wanted the Red Sox to do at the winter meetings. Uh, um, Mitch Keller, Corbin Burns, Logan Gilbert, uh, George Kirby, uh, Tyler Glass. Now they were, they are all available right now for the right package. Everybody knows that though. Burns may not be, I've heard the brewers are thinking of not giving him up now and Boston can offer as good or better packet a package for them than anyone in baseball. And the time is now for them to add starting pitchers every hour that they don't get a starting pitcher is an even bigger risk that the best available pitchers are going to be gone by the time they finally do act. So, and, um, and if that does happen, if they don't end up getting two, two top tier starting pitchers that are available right now, then there is no excuse for that to happen. And this offseason will be a failure. Um, so the Yankees got the player that they needed then. So my question is, are the Red Sox going to do the same as for Verdugo? I am happy as a clam that the Red Sox got him. I could, I could give a, a they, the Red Sox got rid of him. I should say, I could give a crap less That he's on the Yankees now. Good. He can be their problem now. Um, He's a better fit for the Yankees anyway. He's a left-handed hitter. He's got very good outfield defense. He was awful defensively until last year. And now he's a very good defensive outfielder. Um, And he'll have more pop playing with the aid of that porch. Though that could go... The other way, too, because when Verdugo's trying to hit home runs, he sucks. When Verdugo's good. It's when he's trying to hit the ball to left center field. Um, he was a complete issue in Boston. Everyone knows that the lack of hustle, the stupid mistakes that I call doogies showing up late to games. He's been benched twice this past year. I mean, this this past year alone, um, like. Horrible things that just off the top of my mind, there was one game against the Rays in 2022 where the Rays scored five runs on the stupid stuff that Verdugo did in two plays. He, uh, Nelson Cruz got an inside the park grand slam slash error because he lost a ball in the sun. And then in the ninth inning, he gave up the game tying in the park home run. To Austin Meadows, because he tried to make, he, he played hero ball. Verdugo has played a lot of hero ball in his life. And in game six, the ALCS, he got thrown out trying to steal after taking a one step lead, which kind of stuck the knife in the Red Sox for that ALCS. So I'm so happy to see uh, Verdugo gone. Look, he's ta- a talented player, but he's a talented dummy who has never shown the commitment to actually be the good player that he's capable of being. Um, So maybe that'll change in New York. Maybe the, the embarrassment of being traded to uh, your, to his team's ancient rival for not very much uh, will help put some fire into him. uh, And maybe he'll be a better player for the Yankees that he could be. I've seen some people say, uh, that they're going to miss Verdugo, that, oh, bashing Verdugo uh, on the way out is such a horrible thing. It's ridiculous. It's re- ridiculous. You be- If you get be- being benched once for a lack of hustle or showing up late is inexcusable, ever, in any season. It-, it happened to him twice in one year. He hit 120 in September. All those dumb mistakes I've made before. Alex Verdugo... Being so far this season, it's not saying much, but Alex for getting for Alex Verdugo out of Boston is the best thing Craig Breslow has done since he got here.
1: I, I think right off the bat, like Luke said a lot, and there's a lot to address there. I'll pick and choose a few, but right off the bat, I loved how he was went at. What could potentially happen a year from now in some theoretical situation when it comes to Juan Soto? Like, that's what I'm talking about. That reaction makes me think that it's an excellent move for the Yankees, and they're in a great position. Uh, you know, it's that hatred that we love to see here at Bleacher Brawls. Uh, as far as Verdugo's concerned, what? you're right. Yeah, you hate you're jealous you're jealous I said it was that's a great move for them and they may lose him <laughs> right exactly but that's what i'm saying the, the theoretical hatred situation is what i'm talking about like oh Cashman, it's going to be all kinds of problems between hal and cash but look the verdugo oh, thing the verdugo crazy. thing i think you're right like he there's a lot that went wrong in boston great incredibly talented player there's a lot of risk there for the yankees but in this like i said in the short term i think that everything that Luke kind of mentioned does like a fire under his ass. I think he's the type of guy he's got, he wants the contract and he's got a chance to earn it right now. And I think he'll just probably be on his best behavior for this season. I doubt the, he'll, he's more than a one year rental and whoever he goes to, that's their problem. But in the short term, I really think there's a lot of, there's a high ceiling to this one. And the
2: floor probably is, isn't really that low. And I do really quick, I want to speak to the, the Red Sox fans that really liked Verdugo. It was like the intangible stuff that they really liked about him. Uh, it, he was a like, one podcast. I'm not even, I was going to really talk about this a lot. And then the Otani news happened and there isn't time, but the it, one particular podcast that I saw, like really said, Oh, Verdugo bashing him on the way. I was so terrible. He was such an important part of Boston's baseball culture for the past four years or so. Like, it's it's all about like the intangibles and stuff like, Oh, he had, he played with fire and energy and he had this fun, loving childishness and he had the gold chains and the grills. And you know, he was fun to watch and stuff. All that crap goes out the window when you become a problem, like as far as lack of hustling and showing up late and stuff like that. Intangibles are great. I loved Christian Arroyo in 2021 because I thought he brought uh, a, a certain fire to the team, but, all that stuff is nullified when you start to be a problem for nonsense, like that Verdugo has been a problem about the last couple of years. So it's just like there are certain Red Sox fans that are going to miss him. I know Derek's going to miss him. I, I got no respect for that viewpoint. Like it's it's just like it's not even – it's objective to me. It's an objectively wrong statement to make. When you have caused that many problems, I don't care what you've caught. Manny Ramirez, yeah, you can get away with that crap. Alex Verdugo can't. If you, your career high is 13 home runs and you've only hit 300 once in a 60-game season, then uh, you you absolutely cannot get away with that kind of crap.
0: I want to come back to some of the Verdugo behavioral issues because I think um... – We may have done a little addition by subtraction. We'll talk about that a little bit later when it comes to the Red Sox. I want to talk about how he affects the Yankees outfield. Because, John, I'm assuming what we're looking at right now is uh, Soto in left, Judge in center, and Verdugo in right. Which, I I don't know how you feel. I'll hear how you feel in a second. But even with Juan Soto, even with uh, Garrett Cole, I feel like Aaron Judge is your most valuable asset right now. And um, running him around in center field for, you know, 150 games does not seem like a very good idea to me.
1: Well, so I'm glad you brought this up because this is the last point I wanted to make. I kept forgetting to mention it. I think there's – I've heard a lot of talk about this. So, one, you – with that outfield, those guys are – I know the Yankees like to rotate in or out and whatever and have their – rotations and rest days but for the most part your outfield is like you said it's going to be Soto and left judge and center Verdugo and right what the Yankees are going to do is they're going to have some defensive outfielder that could play all three positions that's going to come in late games and likely in that scenario I think rest uh, Verdugo and you would have someone else come in and play center the last couple innings um, you know or whatever to be the defensive replacement Move Judge over to right. And again, this is a one-year thing. Like It's not like Judge is moving to center for the rest of his career. This is a one-year thing where the Yankees are all in. It's clear. Like That's the thing right now. The Yankees made it very clear that they're all in on this season. And if Judge is the type of guy he is, like, he's going to go out there and play center. And for all we know, maybe there's not like this. The final move hasn't been made yet. Like I still think there's always that potential that the Yankees got for Dugo to flip him. Um, he isn't really like a New York Yankees guy. Like he seemed like a real more of a like Boston culture guy than a Yankees culture guy. He doesn't seem like he's going to be Johnny Damon, where he can transition to the two, uh, in between the two, kind of like a chame- uh, chameleon. Um, I, 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 so I, I don't know what's going to happen for Dugo. I don't think this is over yet. I think Judge playing center field for one year. It's not ideal, but it's not going to be the end of the world. And there will be someone else coming in to spell him, move him over to right. Um, I think the Yankees are going to be smart about it. So I think all in all, this is, I I know it's kind of one of the knocks on this, but I don't think all the cards, like, everything's been played out yet.
2: I don't see it like that at all. Like First of all, I think the alignment's going to be different. I think it's going to be... Verdugo in left and Judge in center and Soto in right. Because Soto sucks as an outfielder. So they're going to put him in the area where he doesn't have to cover much ground. And Alex ground. Verdugo and, sucks as I mean, a left know, fielder.
0: That's why he's become a really good right fielder. <laughs> <laughs> you say if you, you not play, play good, good outfield defense until this year. Yeah, the year they moved him to right field. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but playing left field in Yankee Stadium is like playing right field in Fenway Park. Left field's a lot bigger there's a lot more range to uh, ground to cover. So that's the way I see it anyway. And it's not one year of Judge in center. It's half a year of Judge in center because Dominguez is supposed to come back in July and he's going to be the center fielder. And then they'll probably move Verdugo, move Verdugo after that. That's what I had, I had heard is that Dominguez is coming back in July.
1: Uh, I, would, like, I mean, it's every, you know, all these, like Tommy, I guess the Tommy John or whatever it was. uh, They're all different, but I heard September was like was what they're looking at. I don't think they would play him anyway. I think they'd rest like if the Yankees are doing very like if they're in first place or in the playoff line, you know, come whenever Dominguez gets back, I think it'd be, you know, August or September. I don't think they would rush him back at all. So um you know, just you know the way they are with prospects. Like let's let's not just start giving this guy the job yet. That doesn't happen in New York.
0: Um, John, the other thing I want to talk about is, uh, you know, you, you touched on this a little bit on the midweek show when the idea of Soto was still being floated around, which is it is just one year of Soto. And what you compared it to was was the Mookie deal, right? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The um, the Red Sox did not get as much as they would have wanted in return for Mookie because it was technically just one year Uh, Of Mookie, but it looks like San Diego's gotten a a pretty good package here, and you know considerably more than the one that you recommended on the midweek show. um, Do you feel like you know if if he leaves after a year and and they didn't win a World Series that this was this was you want to talk about boom or bust? This was a massive bust.
1: If they win after, a win, if they win a World Series, it was completely worth it, and I couldn't care less about who they traded. Because, like I said a moment ago, they're not—you're never going to see these guys. Like, that's that's not Cashman's MO. Like you hear about these prospects for years, he's either going to hang on to them too long to, for them too long until they're worthless, or he's going to put them in bad situations where they get exposed, uh, or just not develop them properly. So you might as well just cut your losses early on and. Just trade. If you have to trade a boatload of prospects, just do it because his method so far hasn't been working of hanging on to them too long or however it ends up playing out.
2: So good. like it, It is what it is to me. I'm fine with it. So if they lose him, if if he insists on going to free agency and they lose him, you're, you're still going to be fine with it. And if they if they don't win a World Series.
1: I mean, if they don't win a World Series, let's see how the season plays out. But uh, so if they don't win a World Series, we'll see how it goes. I can't predict my reaction to that right now. Uh, we'll take a guess. Take a guess. Try to like, predict. take a guess. Like, I, it depends. Like I honestly, if he has second a good place season, in
2: the, second place in the AL East, they lose in the ALDS. And Soto walks in free agency, goes to Toronto. How, how would you, know,
1: you feel? They put they Cashman pushes chips into the table, which is something we've been saying the Yankee fans have been saying he needs to do. He needs to go all in. They're showing that they're all in for this year. So you know what? It's worth it. And if it doesn't work out, then so be it. It didn't work out. But I'd be a hypocrite now to go back and kill him for that when I've been saying that's what he needs to do. So I guess that's my answer. Like, yeah, like it would kind of maybe it would sting a little, but at the end of the day. I stand by the, like, as of today. I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but I I stand by the move. I think I'd stand by the move.
2: What if all that happens and Michael King wins the Cy Young this year? Then how do you feel? (laughs) Anyway, moving on. All right,
0: so moving on. Moving on. Uh, I want I to touch on the Maduga, I think, a little bit more because, I, I mean, I, I think I was the first one on the show to just say I'm completely done with this guy. Um, I, I want him gone as soon as possible. And you're right, uh, Luke, I think it's the best move that um, uh, uh, Breslau has made so far. But the corresponding move was to bring in another guy who's had some attitude problems, who's been benched for lack of hustle, who's had some issues with his manager, who has not been able to stay consistent. Um, And that, of course, being Tyler O'Neill, just a couple days later, I have a lot I want to say on this, Luke, but I'm going to go to you first. We were going back and forth about this um, in uh, in our Bleacher Brawls chat. And and I said, I don't know how I feel about this. I feel maybe kind of addition by subtraction. And you said, at least he's (laughs) right-handed. So I want to hand it off to you.
2: So, yeah, the Red Sox had two problems with Verdugo. He was a huge problem in the clubhouse. He 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 didn't and he didn't hustle and all that. And he was left handed on a team that had way too many left handed players. And now they have traded him for a right handed outfielder who has a lot of problems. So I, I guess that's a slight. <laughs> that's, I I'd, I I'm 52 percent. Fifty-two percent of me would rather have O'Neill. I guess because he's right-handed. I don't know if I had to choose between those two. He's fine as a depth piece. Uh, he's a right-handed outfield bat with upside. Uh, but it's 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 Luis Urias. It's getting Luis Urias last year from the Brewers. I mean, it's the last time Tyler O'Neill was good. Bobby Dalbeck was good. But he he had thirty-four home runs in two thousand twenty-one. And I think he won a gold glove. Um, he might have won two gold gloves. I'm not sure. He's a really good outfielder who can play all three outfield positions and he's right handed. So that's great. It's kind of like a younger version of Adam Duval, but not that much longer. He's been in the league six years. I don't I don't really know how old he is. Um I'm fine taking a flyer on him, uh, because honestly I like the outfield as it is. Um even if he wasn't coming in, i I would be okay with the outfield. I would just think oh, that's a little too left handed heavy for me. Um, but I'm fine having him on the team. Um, but uh, he's had injury issues. He's been inconsistent at the plate. He butted heads with his manager. Apparently, Oliver Marmal is kind of one of those hard O managers who has issues with a lot of people. Um, but still, like, he. He had he got benched for lack of hustling. You can't overlook that. Um, so yeah, they traded a left-handed attitude problem for a right-handed attitude problem, who has some injury issues and some attitude issues. So look, if he can get back to being that 2021 Tyler O'Neill, freaking awesome, great move. But it's like Luis Urias. You know, he was awesome in 2022. And that he wasn't – when he came to Boston, he wasn't that guy. He hit grand slams on two consecutive pitches. Uh, other than that, he, I barely even noticed he was here. So I'd love to see O'Neal get back to what he was in 2021, but I'm not counting on it. But, you know, as a depth piece, fine. But my outfield is Yoshida, Rafaela, and um, Abreu slash Duran. Yeah, that's – um.
0: You've touched on a couple of things I want to mention, Luke. One is, I don't know how this, the outfield was crowded and getting rid of Verdugo kind of helped that problem uh, because, you, you know, right now, Yoshida is not the DH. He's the left fielder and they have faith in him to play a better left field this year after he, you know, has a better idea of the MOB schedule and it's not playing at the WBC and his full spring training and blah, blah, blah. Um, so... With you know, with wanting to give Abreu some legitimate time, and if Rafael is not going to play second base, where is he going to play? Center field? I, I don't know. It, it was crowded, and bringing in this guy who brings a lot of the same issues. I don't, don't know if I completely understand. I, I think the right thing, the right-handed thing, is funny, but I, you know, there's something valuable to that. I do also think that um, the pitchers that we got for Verdugo are better than the pitchers that we sent out for O'Neill, So there was a minor league upgrade there, although that, you know, the minor league upgrade is um, one of the overwhelming issues of the bloom era. Um, and it's going to be, I don't want this to come across like I'm blaming the Cardinals' terrible season on um, Tyler O'Neill, But, you know, this is a team that has Paul Goldschmidt. It has um, Nolan Arenado, uh, Wilson Contreras. This is a, the team that, like, should be good. Should have been good, and O'Neal was one of those. Uh, if he's good, this team's going to be better. You know, um, he's going to be one of those in between guys that's going to kind of sway things a little bit because you know you're going to get MVP play from a couple other guys, and you know other guys fill out the roster. He's one of those middle ground guys that's going to be a difference maker, um, and he he wasn't. He had issues. I mean that that benching was in April. That was very early in the season, um, and. He only played 72 games in his uh, six seasons. If you're counting his 50 games of the 60-game season in 2020 as a full season, um, he's only played in two full seasons in his six years. That's not a ton. I don't know if part of this process to what you were saying, Luke, is like, well, maybe kind of platoons with Abreu and, you know, we... We bring him a little bit. And he plays half. O'Neill plays half. He, I don't know. But it definitely doesn't feel um, as win now as I think that we've wanted. And I think that as Breslow has kind of – Breslow has sort of said without saying, Bloom did a lot of the dirty work, and now I'm going to make the the major league team good, and we're going to win. And this just kind of feels like a lateral move to me.
2: Well, I can't uh, imagine that he was thinking, "Oh, this is going to be a big, impactful move that's really going to improve our team." I think it was just there uh, for the taking. He was a player that could be had for not much, so why not? So let's get him. I'm, I, I can't. I, I would be horrified if he was thinking like this is the big offensive move. I mean, I don't, I don't see any big offensive moves that are needed. For this team anyway, but um, I, 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 what you said right when you started talking about this, I hadn't, I, I had forgotten. I thought about it earlier today, and I had forgotten when I was speaking before. It could be a sign that they're looking at Rafaela, Sedan, Sedan Rafaela, as being the second, uh, spending a lot of time at second base, and meaning O'Neill is going to be in that outfield mix. Um, unless maybe they are looking at him as more of a bench guy, and Rob Refsnyder is not long for this world, I could see that as well because he's the really he's got to be kind of not sleeping well right now because with all these outfield, he was probably thinking things were looking good for him when Verdugo left, and they bring in another outfielder who has had a lot of success in the past, at least, and he's probably thinking, I probably do not fit anywhere. But as far as the injuries. My theory about that is this dude spends too much freaking time in the gym. Him and Duran are going to, him and Jan Duran are going to be best buddies. They are going to be spending, they're going to be spending like hours and hours uh, pumping iron with their shirts off and stuff. And like, you know, talking, drinking protein shakes together and like, you know, giving each other tips like, oh yeah, that you're, you're your left middle ab is looking a little soft. Maybe you want to do a couple extra uh, sit-ups to that side and stuff. Look at Giancarlo Stanton. Like when are major league players going to learn? You can't get super ripped because all that does, it just make it just, makes you more susceptible to injury when you're playing. The goal is to play 162 games per season. You want to be lean. You want to be flexible. You don't want to be a freaking piece of granite, especially if you're going to be an outfielder. You know, if you're going to be play first base, then maybe, but I mean, just lay off the weights, (laughs) get into more plyometrics, stuff like that. I would say that for, for, uh, for, uh, Jaron Duran as well. But, um, I don't know, maybe Rafael is going to be playing more second base. That's my takeaway from this, because I would like to see O'Neal get some reps and have a chance to maybe see what he can do in Fen- playing in Fenway Park, but I don't know. It's not a needle-moving move to me. John, your thoughts on all this?
1: Uh, the fact that O'Neal clashed with his hard manager in St. Louis is very promising to me as a Yankees fan that he'll clash with his hard-O manager in Boston. Um, yeah, like yeah, I, I didn't really think much of it. I feel like he's probably just a fourth outfielder, maybe competing third, fourth outfielder spot. Um, yeah, it's it's it is what it is. Like maybe he'll end up being pretty good in Boston if he's the type of guy that can hit a lot of blue fly balls to left field. You know, he'll bat three sixty. But um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. But I didn't really think much of it when it uh, when the move happened.
2: Core is not a hard-owned manager.
1: Yeah, Alex Verdugo
2: said differently. And right now, Alex
1: Verdugo's more <laughs> believable. I See
2: who see who would get more character witnesses on their side <laughs> if those that, two were brought to court that, uh, against one I another. I was thinking
0: today, um, you know, Verdugo's going to look you know, to his right, and he's going to see Aaron Judge, and he's going to see Juan Soto. And he's not going to think, I'm not as good as these guys. <laughs> yeah. like he's he's going to be like, we are a stacked outfield.
2: <laughs> like they, the time will come, uh, Soto and Judge will strike out back to back, and he'll like kind of take a side-eye look at Aaron Boone. Like, I tell you, man, you should you should have me batting second.
0: And uh, it would be very interesting to see him clean-shaven. Um <laughs> Okay, let's talk about the biggest news I think maybe in the history of the sport. Hold
2: on one second, one second, one second. I'm sorry, John. Is there do the Yankees have any equipment rules cuz we know about the facial hair rule. Is Verdugo going to be able to wear his Mexican flag glove on the outfield? I don't I feel like I've never seen any Yankee player wear anything flashy.
1: Yeah, I know that yeah, exactly. Yankee players don't tend to wear anything flashy uh like Bobby Abreu wore it kind of like his glove. I mean, I think he wore a white glove. He had a red glove at times, but um, yeah, I've never seen it before in the Yankees. So I'm I'm assuming they're going to tell him it's not happening. Um, But you know, if that sets him off and he's not really happy because of it, like I said, I still think there's potential for the guy to be flipped. Because again, I can't see him clean shaven. I can't see his personality fitting into the clubhouse. Like, just it seems the whole it seems. There's like I said, there's upside to the, a lot of upside to the move, but uh, there's it's some of it's weird. So I don't know if he's long for the world, of the Yankees. I mean, he might get traded at some point, or especially if he starts off the season hot. You know, you might want to capitalize on that. I I don't know what Cashman's thinking. So, um, yeah, I I don't see the glove happening. I think it's gonna be weird seeing him shave. And I'm assuming they're gonna tell him no girls. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out.
2: Grills are allowed actually. I just looked up in the policy, that's a loophole. No facial hair, but grills are actually
0: they never yeah. thought so, to ban, record. so they's
2: never,
1: heard of
0: it. <laughs> it's <laughs> not on the list.
1: <laughs> so, the whole like history behind this is Steinbrenner, uh, the boss went to uh military school, so he was like super rigid in his ways, and that's why like it was initiated. And to my understanding, I, I believe in that book I read, or somewhere I've heard it, maybe I heard it on the Michael K. show, is that Hal doesn't even so much care as much. It's the sisters carrying on the legacy. Um, he's like, Hal runs the team, but I believe the team, I'm sure the team's in a trust in the family. So um, it's the sisters carrying on the legacy who do all the PR work. So that's why it's still there.
0: Okay, let's talk about Otani. So, um
1: you think oh, Tiny's more important <laughs> than the Yankees facial hair? I do. In, uh, I history? do. I think that's $700
0: million. <laughs> you know, we we had a lot of conversations um, really all throughout the year as he was facing free agency. How much is too much? And we were going, is he going to be the first half a billion dollar player? Is he going to be, um, you know, is someone going to lose their mind and offer him $600 million? I mean, can you believe it? And then – Bam, he's a Toronto Blue Jay. I mean, bam, he's a Los Angeles Dodger. Ten years, $700 million. Luke, I'm going to go to you first on this one because um, right away in the chat, you went, bad move, $70 million a year. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard.
2: And it is. the. My favorite part of it is that the Blue, Jay, Blue Jays fans thought they had him and he was ripped away from them. It was so premeditated by Otani's camp and they just use the baseball media, played them like a two. And I love that. part. This is my favorite part about this is that baseball media, baseball beat reporters were exposed for what they are. I mean, that's happened a hundred thousand times over the years, but these guys, everyone knows now. These guys are adolescent girls passing notes in class. They're being manipulated by agents who, who can lie with impunity because teams are not allowed to deny anything agents say. The collective bargaining agreement forbids teams from making any comments on stuff that agents say. So the agents have all of the power in these situations, and these baseball. Uh, Baseball reporters are just will say whatever the agents tell them to say. The, the baseball media members are whores that are selling their own reputations out of hope for getting leaked the next BS story by the same agent that just lied and used them the last time. So, that's my favorite thing the thing that we look we look to these guys for insight, but they don't do any investigative journalism. they're not journalists. they tell us only what the agents who pimp them out want us to know um now, as far as Otani, it's stupid for the dodgers uh he, they took the biggest risk in sports history other than maybe I don't know maybe a premier league soccer. Player in Europe might might be might have gotten a bigger contract than that. Derek would know that. But he's thirty years old. He's two Tommy John surgeries deep already. Um, he uh, deferred money aside. Aside, if he gets hurt for a long period of, the, of time, can the Dodgers really absorb that kind of loss and reinvest on players that can make up that the difference? That losing Otani, the difference between losing Otani and competing can be. Probably not because you got to get two players to replace him, two top players to replace him instead of one. He's already not going to pitch next year, um, so I, I think it's a very. I, I, I mean, there's the idea that I've see, people are saying, "Well, hey, he's w- worth so much money. They are going to capitalize on his name value and everything. Otani is going to make billions of dollars for the Dodgers just for being Otani in Los Angeles." Not if he's hurt for a lot of the contract. If he's not pitching every fifth day and hitting the crap out of the ball every day, the novelty of that is going to wear off really quickly, especially in a place like L.A. where there's a lot of superstars walking around, where there's a lot of cool stuff going on. And you can easily get lost in the shuffle if you know, you're not living up to the promise. Um, it's- one, one Boston Beat reporter, Mike Giardi, he's a football guy. Knows nil about baseball, but this really got on my nerves. I saw him saying, don't let the teams fool you. They can spend because and using the Dodgers spending 700 million dollars on Otani as a justification for that. Otani's an unprecedented player with an unprecedented skill set. And he changes the calculus completely. So, I mean, the implication that Giardi was making was that, see, the Red Sox can spend, the Dodgers did it, they spent $700 million on one player. And he used Manny Ramirez as a comparison. See, the Red Sox made Manny Ramirez the highest paid player in baseball at one point. Well, at that time, Manny Ramirez's contract was for $20 million a year, and the second highest paid player was probably making like $16, 18000000 million a year at that point. The... The second uh, highest – Scherzer and Verlander are the second highest paid players in baseball right now. They're making $43.3 million a year. Otani's going to be making $70 million a year. There is no way, especially when he's not pitching the very first year of the contract at age 30, there's no way anybody can convince me that this was a smart move for the Dodgers to make, especially with the, the huge health concern there. I think it was dumb. I think Dodgers fans are going to have a lot of fun with it until the season starts. And I just think they are really going to live to regret this.
0: So I I hear everything you've said, and I've said it myself about uh, 10 years is a very long time. He's had injury problems, not pitching this year, blah, blah, blah. Everything you said, I agree with. I don't know how you could say it is a bad idea to go, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Shohei Ohtani. Those are three of the four best players in baseball, according to Van Graaff's war this last year, with only Ronald Acuna sticking in there in second. They have three of the best four players in the league. Like this, I mean, that's...
2: Okay, are you sure? Because John Heyman released his 15 best hitters in baseball yesterday, and he had judges one. He had Soto as three, and he didn't have Acuna in the top fifteen anywhere. And John Heyman has been around for a while; his word is gold, in my opinion.
0: I think um, I, I hear what you're saying, but you win. You know, obviously, this is easier said than done. You win two, maybe three World Series over the next ten years, and and it was a bad decision.
2: Uh, No, no. It's it's the risk makes it a bad decision. If he's healthy the whole time, if he's pitching for nine of those 10 years, even if he's just pitching 20 starts a year for those nine or 10 years and he racks up a couple World Series championships, I mean, it was absolutely worth it. But it's I think the risk makes it a bad contract. I don't see any way that's possible. I really don't. And I absolutely could be wrong but yeah it's i'm not thinking about their their profit margin because he makes so much money i'm thinking because i don't think he's going to play for 10 more years i don't i wouldn't be surprised if he only plays 7 more full years and misses a uh, an entire year to an injury here an entire year due to injury there and so on and so forth that's why it's the risk the injury risk is he going to stay healthy is he going to keep pitching and
0: John hit- your thoughts on all this
2: so this goes down and obviously our
1: group chat blows up and I'm also at the same time texting my dad. We're like, this is the stupidest contract I've ever seen. And my dad naturally asks, he's like, Well, what did Luke have to say about it? I'm like, Dad, you're not gonna believe it this. But he's in agreement with us. Like, this is the dumbest contract I've ever heard of. I think So like we've talked about the injury concerns. I think he's going he's gonna be twenty-nine years old this season. Uh he's not getting any younger in the prime in his twenties, when he's at his healthiest, and as someone who's now in his forties, like trust me, you don't get any healthier than you do in your twenties. Like he spent a lot, a good portion of that injured. So I don't have a lot of hope that he's going to stay healthy. I don't think he's going to pitch. You know, like it's a pipe dream to think he's going to stay healthy for. You know, you, you, at the maximum, you can only pitch nine out of these ten seasons, and I really don't see that happening. So you're looking at thirty five million dollars a year for a DH and thirty five million dollars a year for a guy that. What's he gonna average? Like I would set the over under right now. Ten year contract, a hundred starts, like ten starts a season. He averages out over the course of his contract. Like I think that's a fair over under to start it at because he hasn't proven the ability to stay healthy. And this can go. This can be a Steven Strasburg and Giancarlo Stanton rolled into one kind of contract. Like he can be hurt the whole time as a pitcher, and that could bleed over to him not being able to stay healthy as a hitter. So. I I'm glad he didn't end up on the Yankees for for the, a lot of these reasons. Um, I just the health concerns are just too big for me, and I think this contract's just going to be completely blow up. And I mean, Derek, I love you, buddy. I can't wait to hear how you try to explain your math on how the deferrals don't make it seventy million dollars a year. It is what it is. Uh, no matter how how much deferred money there is, this contract's always going to be looked at as seventy million dollars a year. And it can go south really, really quickly. And just one more thing I want to kind of tack on. There's, like, a lot of assumptions, like, oh, well, like you guys were saying, like, well, what if the Dodgers win two World Series? Well, What if they don't? I mean, Shohei Otani is not playoff tested. And he's, if anything, in a lot of ways, he, I don't want to, in a lot of ways, he hasn't shown what you kind of want to see uh, as a competitor because he has shied away from New York and Boston. Like neither Mets, Yankees, and Red Sox. None of us were in contention at all to sign Shohei Otani. He did not want to come to the East Coast. And I'll ask you guys, in two starts at Yankee Stadium in his career, how many innings do you think he's pitched in between two starts?
2: I think you've talked about this before. I think you talked about this during the Otani versus Judge MVP. Yes, I debate. have. Yes. I think it's what? It, he pitched four innings and two starts. 3.2 in
1: innings and two starts with the twenty seventy ERA at Yankee Stadium. And, oh, well, Fenway, I guess he pitched a little bit better, but. <laughs> okay, whatever. But um, look, the <laughs> point being is, I don't think. I'm not sure if he's a competitor. Yeah, he pitched good in Fenway. And then at Yankee Stadium as a hitter, he's only batting in. 54 at-bats, 13 games. He's batting 130 at Yankee Stadium as a left-handed hitter. So, um, with zero home runs, that can't be great. Right? No, he has home runs at Yankee Stadium, but... 135 hits at Yankee Stadium four of them more home runs, batting 130. So, <laughs> of
2: course, yeah. Let's see at Fenway. Joke. Let's look at this. <laughs> what
1: happened? 310, 310 at Fenway. So, what's that say about that Green Monster? So, <laughs> all those balls are at the other way. Two home runs at Fenway. So he's going the other way. He's not swinging for the fences at Fenway.
2: One of those, um, one of those home runs was a ninth inning home run against Matt Barnes that lost the game. That was the first that was in Matt Barnes's 2021 season when he was cooking. That was the first save he blew that year and it was all downhill from there.
1: So that doesn't even count then. Like that's not an impressive home run. Hit it off <laughs> of <on> Matt Barnes. <laughs> anyway, so my point being, I just I think there's a lot that can go wrong here. And if the Dodgers don't win a World Series, this is a huge failure. And I mean, they could win a World Series and he can might not contribute at all cuz he could be injured. So um glad it didn't I'm glad he's not on the Yankees. I think that's a dumb contract. And like I said, my dad got a kick out of the fact that he agreed with
2: Fuke on something. Well, and I want to say, like, I mean, so many Red Sox fans are so sick of hearing about building up the farm system and how it doesn't matter. No one has any idea if any of those, all these players could be bust for all we know. Apparently, a big reason that Otani chose the Dodgers was that they had a very good farm system. They're ranked sixth, I think, in Baseball America's farm system rankings. And so that, you know, considering how much freaking money they're going to be paying him. That they had a resource to funnel in players uh, that are likely going to be quality players around him over the length of that contract, so it does matter and it does it is an attraction. I think that was a lot, a lot of the reason Mookie Betts uh, didn't want to sign in Boston because he he saw the way the Dodgers were look were set up for the next ten years and was like, all right, I'd rather be there than in this place where in Boston where. Uh, they're a step away from blowing it all up and starting over again. So the farm system does matter, even to uh, uh, veteran players who are going to get paid because they want to win.
0: Yes, and building all uh, building that farm all the way up. Goddess, Shohei Otani. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, I can't believe. <laughs> we said we we're going to run long tonight, and um, we don't have too much more to cover. We were like, maybe we'll have time for a final topic, and I think that we will. Um, Luke, I said I haven't seen as much on this as you have, so I'm going to throw this last one at you. Uh,
2: well, it's it's a uh, it's Yoshinobu Yamamoto, san and where where is he where is he going to land? Um, Brian Cashman's lackey, John Heyman, is reporting that it's down to the Los Angeles Dodgers, the New York Yankees, and the New York Mets. He says they're the finalists, um, but this isn't the MVP award. There are other teams. There's a lot. There's like 10 teams that are reportedly in on Yamamoto, and with good reason. He's 25 years old, and he profiles like he's going to be an ace for a long time. So. Personally, I've been worried about this because we haven't seen the Red Sox pay anybody except Devers. They did pay Devers before last season, but we haven't seen them pay out the nose outbid everybody for a free agent in a long time. I will say what I read from John Heyman today made me feel a little better, a little more positive about it, because I think the Yanke- that makes me think the Yankees are out on Yamamoto. They're not going to get him. They're going to look for other pitchers, the second-tier pitchers. And that he purposely, in that that one tweet he sent, he said the finalists are the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Mets. Because I think he was sending that to make the Red Sox nervous and make the Red Sox make a stupid, bold decision. Like, all right, fine. We'll give him $500 million because we have to get him. And I think the Yankees are out because when you think about it, the Yankees... (laughs) Judges' contract, Stanton's contract, Cole's contract. And you got to believe that they're hoping they're going to sign Soto. I can't see them taking on Yamamoto's contract, too. Could they? George Steinbrenner probably would. I don't think Hal Steinbrenner underwent a personality transplant, though. I don't think he's going to go full crazy on this. So, um, but as far as the Red Sox, they're supposedly full throttle. Full throttle, quote-unquote. Those are Tom Werner's words, and they haven't spent on anybody else yet. I expect them to bid high for him. I am expecting them to get him. They have to get him. But I have doubts that they will, that they'll outbid the Mets. And now the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays lost out on Otani, humiliated now because people were following his plane that ended up Robert Herjavec from Shark Tank was apparently on that plane and not Shohei Otani. So they all, all those fans look like idiots now. Um, So the Jays have got to be a factor in that. Now you got to figure. So will the Red Sox open up the wallet? They have every reason to do so and zero excuses not to. Uh, The Sox need to get Yamamoto. The fans need um, the Red Sox to get Yamamoto. I need them to get Yamamoto. Um, And if they don't get him, and if they don't get Yamamoto and another top starting pitcher this offseason, then this offseason is a failure. And I will finally question ownership's commitment to winning above all else. So, wait, hold on. I just want to make sure I'm clear on this one. You're saying it's Yamamoto or Bus. it's not
0: any high profile starting pitcher. It is at this point, we have to get the top guy.
2: Because of how this team is right now, that's all they need is two starting pitchers. I've said that forever now. Yes, they need, it's, they've been building four years to this. They need to spend on the best starting pitcher and they need to spend on another really good one that's in the second or third tier. So it's got to be Yamamoto and Montgomery or Yamamoto and trading for Mitch Keller or Yamamoto and trading for uh, at least uh, Dylan Cease, somebody like that. Um, Not Jordan Montgomery. Don't tell me Jordan Montgomery is going to be the ace of the Red Sox next year. I need Yamamoto and another good pitcher.
0: Johnny mentions um, their inability to take on all these contracts. I think that is a very valuable point, but they just shipped off um, a bunch of pitchers, a bunch of pitchers. And that has been, um, you know, it was it was Cole and who this past year, you know, do you do you think it's it's just what you said earlier? I, I can't blame Cashman for pushing all the chips in. Is he really pushing all the chips in here? Um, because it doesn't matter if you score nine runs if you give up ten.
1: I don't think I think the Yankees are in the running. I still don't think he's going to end up with the Yankees. Though. I'd love to see him on the Yankees. I think they're going to make a comp- a very competitive offer, but I. Th- I don't know if he really ends up on the Yankees. So I was kind of thinking about this. um, I have been thinking about this. I kind of power rank some of the teams that I think that are really in the running for Yamamoto. So if it is just about money, if he just wants the biggest contract and that's all it's about, he's the Mets. Steve Cohen wants him. The Mets are making a heavy play for him. So if it's just about money, he's going to the Mets because there's no team that can outbid Steve Cohen. He spent, Steve Cohen, if he's willing to spend $100 million on a piece of art, you can't tell me that for his baseball team that he's a massive fan of, like we're a fan of our teams, he's a fan of the Mets, and he wants to change the Mets. He wants to win a World Series of the Mets. You're telling me he's not going to view Yamamoto as worth three and a half pieces of art? Like, come on. So, um, under that context, I think if it's all about the money, Yamamoto's a Mets. Now you have, I think the Dodgers would kind of be the number two team here, even though they just spent all that money on Otani. If there are deferrals, that could kind of make room in the short term for uh, Yamamoto. I think the Dodgers are another team that's all in, a West Coast team, um, which always tends to play well with uh, Japanese players because you can kind of it, it does work well with um, the Japanese media, kind of be closer on time zones. And for that reason, I actually think kind of a team that hasn't been mentioned here, but I think that would be all in on Yamamoto would be the Giants because they're they're about to have that whole bay Area market for themselves um they don't they've missed out on free agent after free agent, so they can go wild uh as far as spending money. They are on the west Coast again, which would be attractive uh to the japan- to a Japanese player. Um, and he would be the star over there. That's the other thing that kind of, you go into the Dodgers, you're another guy. You go to the Yankees, you're another guy. You go to the Mets, you're big, but there's other stars there. Same with the Red Sox. He goes to the Giants right now. He is the guy over there. So that can make the Giants very, very attractive. Very, a very fair offer, a lot of money and, uh, being the guy. So I think the Giants are a dark horse in this. And then i put the Yankees and Red Sox there at four and five. Yankees at four, Red Sox at five. Um, You know, if the Yankees, if he wants a big market, you know, they could probably outbid the Red Sox. Um, If they want to, if they really want to push all the chips in, uh, they can do it. Uh, And the Red Sox would kind of be the end of that because they're, you know, if it's about money, they're not outbidding Steve Cohen and the Mets. So, you know, they're not, Red Sox aren't going to have the biggest offer. You know, John Henry isn't going to outbid Steve Cohen. Another thing that kind of we've never, we don't mention, we don't talk about, I mentioned, but nobody wants to talk about it is there's that rivalry between the Patriots and the Red Sox, or at least more of the Red Sox and the Patriots, where I think the John Henry doesn't like the fact that he was kind of shifted to the number two team in town. Uh, and they're always, you know, the Red this Patriots would win and he went all in with Dombrowski because he wanted to win. Um, I think now that that Patriots rivalry is gone, they, and the Red Sox do have a couple of recent World Series. There's not a ton of pressure. Maybe there is pressure from the fans, but I don't think John Henry cares too much. And, uh, you know, the Patriots falling off ever since Brady's kind of gone. The Red Sox are moving back into that number one team in town in Boston. So, I mean, does he really need to go out of his way to spend, give, throw, try to get in a bidding war with Steve Cohen when he's going to be the number one team one way or another? I just don't think that's who he is. I think he's right now you know, he's won his World Series from this point on, it's probably a little bit more profit. So, um, you know, I'm I i do not think the Yankees are, or Red Sox are getting this guy. I think we're lower on the list. Um and again, I'd say Mets if it's all about money. If not, Dodgers or Giants is probably
0: where you're totally right on. that no one on this show has mentioned the Giants. Definitely not me last week. Uh Luke, do you want the? <laughs> Luke, do you want the last word on the
1: Well, whatever. I can't remember these things.
2: (laughs) I will say that John Henry absolutely is not comfortable feeling like he is the number one game in town right now. First of all, the Celtics are probably the best team in the NBA right now. And second of all, people hate John. Red Sox fans hate John Henry right now. Red Sox fans are telling there certain the most wretched of red Sox fans are saying Fenway Sports Group needs to sell the team because they haven't gotten a high priced free agent in the past uh, 4 or 5 years so uh he is it's definitely not a matter of oh Henry's just sitting back thinking he's beloved um it's it, it there's a there's a chance that he's just not going to spend the way he used to that maybe the market has just gotten so crazy uh crazily high now and he's an older guy is taking 350 million dollars for a pitcher who's never pitched in the major leagues absolutely not that is a possibility um i think uh um masataki yoshida being on the team should help if the money is somewhat similar if the offers the red sox offer somewhat similar to the highest offer that should help to not uh yoshida and um um, Yamamoto were teammates for four years, uh, with the Oryx Buffaloes over in Japan. And so, I mean, we got that going for us. Uh, hopefully the Red Sox are going to fly in Daisuke Matsuzaka <laughs> to have a chat with him too. Uh, Yamamoto probably grew up idolizing him. I thought it was funny that the Yankees, first of all, it's not happening, but there were rumors that they're going to, the Yankees are going to fly in Hideki Matsui and his legendary porn collection and uh, Masahiro Tanaka, and that they were going to be attending the meeting uh, Monday uh, with between Yamamoto and the Yankees, which is like kind of – oh, we have Japanese – it's funny to me. Like, hey, we've had Japanese players. We're going to bring them in and talk to you. It's like if I was a great ba- – it's like if I was a great baseball player and I was looking to play in Japan, the, the Japanese team was like – all right, here's John Rocker. Look, he's American like you. You guys will be best friends. Like, no. Just because we're from the same national nationality doesn't mean that you bringing That's him in to talk
0: with me is going to— maybe the worst
2: example possibly done. <laughs>
1: yeah but that's, even, them- no no and the, the, the Yankees do that though they bring in people they've done this with other free agents not necessarily just Japanese players but they bring in players they're like this is what it's like to play in New York like they'll bring in Reggie Jackson when come talk to free agents like look I was the Yankees first big free agent I came under all this pressure and it's hard but this is if you live up to it this is what you're it's like so it's not it's not oh hey I'm this Japanese guy playing for the Yankees like you're trying to put push it as because you're concerned and you're so worried the Red Sox won't get Yamamoto. <laughs> but the truth is, it they do this, as like, hey, like, this is what it's
2: going to be. Like, this is what's going to, it's going to be in New York and you have to know what it is. Right. Yeah. We all in. know why they do that. They bring in their alumni, but it makes a lot more sense of it. Reggie Jackson, as opposed to hit, Toyota well, Matsui bro, They have and culturally, they have things culturally
1: the same. Like, they like, they're those guys know what it's like to come from Japan to play in uh, New York. Reggie Jackson came from Oakland to play in New York. It's a bit different, and Oakland back then, not Oakland
2: even today. So, but it's like <laughs> Look, they might be from totally different areas in Japan. Like, what do I have in common with this guy? You we were in born in professional the same place.
1: That, played in, that in Japan, and then came to New York. Like, you were a star in Japan, and you came to
2: New York. This is what it's like. Yeah, I think they do have at least a little I bit do. in common. I just think it's kind of silly and somewhat kind of racist to think like oh we have japanese players too you'll 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 love it here see they look well, like yeah, you well, do. You don't even
1: have Japanese players in Boston. You had uh, the one guy with a screwball or whatever his name was, like Keniro Daisuke. And then that was it. And now you have you That's about it. Because teammates anybody
2: His teammate. And, teammate. and
1: you just assume that these guys are friends, right? Like right now, we have former people that would listen to Bleacher Balls who are like, Luke's going there with the friendship route now. Oh, suddenly now that they're friends, it matters. That that's going to be a reason that he comes over there. And I'd also like to point out that your desperation for your need for Yamamoto is a reflection on how poorly Bloom did his job.
0: John, I think I think Luke okay. just doesn't want to admit how much he has in common with John Rocker. Um, and, and you left Koji off the list, which I will take offense to.
2: Um, Kenny Powers, maybe, not John Rocker. Um, we're going <laughs> to wrap. We're going to wrap.
0: Um, the show we thought was going to be long is the same length as every other show, because that's how... I'd do it, folks. Listen to Luke's 90-minute midweek show later this week. Um, all the places you can find us in between now and then, our website, BleacherBrawls.com. I wrote a piece over there highlighting um, some more sports documentaries um, from this calendar year. Luke uh, talked about all the things he talked about in this episode about how the Red Sox needed a starting pitcher. I believe you called it Red Sox needed a starting pitcher this week, and the week has come and gone, unfortunately. Um, and
2: they didn't get one, and it's a problem. We'll I'm freaking out. out. So, you Why know. okay. don't
1: you keep getting your hopes up that you're going to get Yamamoto? You know, I've changed my tune, I do think he's going to the Red Sox, Luke. <laughs>
2: Get your hopes up. <laughs> John, you would agree with me. Look, there's a guy down the street. Okay, he's white. Okay, just okay, like so, you know, uh, I'll have him talk them, to you uh, about TikTok. it. TikTok. Totally our main uh, <laughs> social media
0: hub is Twitter. You can find us at Bleacher, Vol- Bleacher, Bleacher Brawl. If I could talk, you can find all of our Twitters in the description of this episode, this podcast. Wherever you, you listen to podcasts, you can rate us five stars. Leave us a nice review. Uh, hit the subscribe button so when the midweek show pops into your ears, uh, it'll just show up right up on your phone. You can pull it up and then put it into your ears. Uh, next week is our final week of um, 2023, because we're going to take, uh, you know, Christmas and New Year's week off. So uh, just a couple more episodes uh, this week, or excuse me, this year, um, three, if my math is correct. So you're going to want to be there for that and everything we have coming in 2024. I'm going to sign off for these guys. My name is Pat for Luke for John. Thank you guys for being with us, for hanging out with us um, through the good and the bad. Uh, lots of good stuff next week. Hopefully lots of good stuff. Uh, next week as well. Uh, We will see you then, folks. All right, folks, that's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars, and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.